You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload Tape Podcast of the Week, where, unfortunately, <laughs> we are having to talk about an, another Seahawks defeat. I mean, they've only lost three games out of five. The Saints game was disappointing because the defense obviously performed badly. We're going to kind of start with the defense, Griff, because, I mean, we, we're in danger of becoming a cope, a copium podcast, a, a pure cope podcast. But there is some positives from the All-22. There's also some negatives. And so we'll deal with that. And then we'll talk about the Geno Smith MVP campaign and, and an update on that and how all that's going and then the offense. So... First, before we do that, big thank you to Brendan at Elm Coffee Roasters in Seattle. As I said in the past uh, podcast, make sure you listen to that, the news podcast. If I lived in Seattle, I'd definitely be going to Elm Coffee because it looks great. When I go to Seattle again, it will happen. I will definitely be visiting. And Brendan supported the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Brendan. Oh, sign. Thank you, sir. Very kind. There we go. Right, so Griff. Let's start, I guess, with the Taysom Hill thing, because delving into the tape from that, it was not quite as bad, I think, as I thought from the broadcast. Like, they bottled up some of his stuff, but then, I mean, it was a combination, I'd say, of execution, but also some naive scheme, particularly to, like, the empty stuff. Would you agree? Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. It was <clears throat> it was a game of, like, uh, now the Saints are different, and with what I'm about to say, but it was a game of like each team has their main stuff and they had their changeups. And it was a game of their changeups or their auxiliary, whatever you want to call it, being excessively good and Seattle being excessively bad enough areas for it to matter. But then the main stuff, they actually defended pretty well. And like you saw a vision, well, you saw better execution, but then you actually saw a vision schematically and how they can build out of something now maybe whereas maybe before you didn't necessarily see a vision you saw poor vision and poor execution now i think you see a little bit better vision but the it's still concerning how they performed poorly to the extent that they did in the areas that they did perform poorly in um and i think it was a combination of like you said naive scheme like they were prepared but then not quite prepared enough and like the saints did throw out different stuff like they did have counter punches like, like they were ready for teams to, you know, adapting to them because they have to be because they're, they have to be a high variance team with Winston out and having this Taysom Hill package. Right. So, so much is just formation and blockers dependent, you know, and like everything is so heavily specialized and Seattle was just not, they were schematically wrong place, wrong time for this game. That's on them. Well, but, and also like the Taysom Hill quarterback draw, uh, from empty 
Like, why on earth are Daryl Taylor and Quinton Jefferson taking off upfield with that pass set? Like, don't be so naive. Like, surely the game prep is, you know, Taysom Hill's a runner, even though it's empty and you get a pass set, just, you know, hang in there a bit because it's probably going to be draw. Like, well, I just didn't understand that. And that kind of lack of preparation on the tape is like, well, it looks like lack of preparation. I'm sure they were told it, but just the failure to execute is really frustrating. Then, as you said, the, uh, yeah, the, the scheme element, like when they went into the heavy package, that that was a bit frustrating too. It was interesting. I only just saw it actually, but four days ago, someone tweeted out, should have got the apps, but someone tweeted out a video of Jordan Brooks and Quanjay Diggs going at each other after um, verbally, but they were having to be restrained by teammates Yeah. after the, Taysom Hill passing touchdown in the red zone, which, I mean, that's a complicated bust because they're like fiddling around their cover three to avoid getting quarterback drawed out of empty, right? And um, yeah, the well, Saints, was, yeah. Well, I liked the call because they had, it was, it was, um, it was covered two up top, right? And, but the corner was inverted. It was Artie Burns playing a half, right? And you had Ryan Neal down playing what is normally the cloud. So you've got a Well, 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 is this right? is the thing. This is the thing. I'm not so sure as I draw up the offensive line, but okay. I actually think it was cover three. Okay. Well, I mean, and that's part of the confusion because it looked like it looked like Diggs thought they were playing clearly either an inverted coverage potentially. And then everyone else thought they were playing cover three. So even if it was inverted, even if it was inverted, you you get kind of very similar cover three, four under spacing. The 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 four under spacing you would see in cover three in that coverage. Um, but I suppose that point is moot because if if they're, I mean, I think really the crux of their blow up on the sideline was that not everyone was on the same page with what the call was. It's one thing to have an assignment bus and be like, that was on you. But it's another thing to be like, I was playing the rules of this call. You were playing the rules of that call. And, and you know, a, a, clearly someone miscommunicated the check. Like it, it was a procedural problem, I think, at the at the crux of this, at the source of it. And I think that's what they're arguing over. And it makes sense that Brooks and Diggs would be arguing because they're the two guys that handle the most in terms of actual verbal communication pre-snap. Right. So also I liked the intensity because I mean, not to extract too much from, you know, body language and, and trying to not fan fiction too much, but that didn't seem like the blame game. That seemed more like frustration from having high expectations and knowing they can be so much better than that. Um, so I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, you know, get pissed. So you guys should be fucking pissed right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, cause the way I saw it was they had Ryan Neal down to the tight end, which was initially the two receiver side, right? Like over here. Mm-hmm. And then when they motioned, they, they had three wide receivers to the, to the defense's right. And Diggs had been shading to the trip side, right? Um, mm-hmm when they were in that empty wildcat formation, then they jet motion across uh, and Diggs just locks onto his side. I think probably because Neil was opposite. So he thinks Neil was going to carry it. And then uh, Barton uh, Brooks, sorry, is going to play the three receiver up in the strong hook. But Brooks clearly <laughs> expected Diggs to go across to the new three receiver side and carry the three up um, because they wanted both linebackers not having to carry anything so they could focus right. in on the box first. And in, Hill. In- and and even if even if a linebacker was supposed to match there, it would have been Barton because he would have been the weak hook. So yeah, and he didn't look for that at all. So right, so that that makes like they clearly weren't on the same page. And I think you're right that Diggs was out of position, but Diggs was probably pissed because he thought well, some something needed to have been communicated or something like that. Yeah. Um, so th- that's frustrating, but that like that's a play where like. They busted something. It's bad to bust. That was real. That was a real bust. But it's not something at the same time that necessarily projects forward because you're not facing Taysom Hill again. And the issue was more so like you're not preparing for Taysom Hill, the individual, so much as you're preparing. You are to an extent, mostly at the tackle point, right? But you're preparing for 
the formations and concepts and the combinations that comes with Taysom Hill. And that clearly fucked them up. Like they, they twisted themselves into a knot with the procedural aspect of it. And the, unless they've run into Lamar Jackson this year, I don't, I mean, Kyler Murray, but not to the, like, they don't, they have, you know, their option game and yeah, you can take off, but like, it's just not something, it's just not something they're going to have the same issue with. Because again, like Taysom Hill is a package. Kyler Murray is the whole offense, right? I don't know why they didn't do more like bad looks against it. They, they sprinkled it in, but against the empty stuff, but they seem so afraid of that. I, I don't understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. Because they played more bare to Andy Dalton and Kamara. They did. They did. Which like... makes, which made sense because they're, not to get ahead of ourselves, but they're going back to the basics and they're like, all right, we're just going to put our guys into scheme and thus techniques that they're comfortable in. Let them play fast. Let them know what they're doing. Hopefully that compounds positively. And then they're going to play more confidently and play better, you know, on a snap to snap basis. And that was true for just about every single one of them Mm. on early downs against when Dalton was in, like his numbers weren't good. Kamara's numbers weren't good early down. So at least minus a draw player too, which is kind of part of the same conversation, but yeah. So in terms of the Dalton scheming, given that, you know, acknowledging they're not going to face a wildcat quarterback like Hill again, in terms of the Dalton scheming, I thought it was fine. Like there was a lot of middle field closed and like, so that's cover three, cover one. And, you know, I felt some of the passing down today, I was a bit surprised they didn't play more middle field open stuff, like, you know, cover for uh, quarter, quarter, half, half, quarter, right. quarter, uh, especially when that's, you know, supposed to be their kind of new identity, if you like, uh, even if it's not that new, but anyway. Um, and I guess to, th- there wasn't even that much disguise either. And I guess it's kind of, classic peak defenses against like lesser quarterbacks and receiving cords they don't respect where right. they just go for the one-on-ones and don't think a quarterback can complete that much of them. And, you know, Dalton went, did well on third down, right? But I don't think, you know, if you, rem- it's if, buts and maybes as ever, but if you remove the Hill stuff, I think they kind of bottled Dalton up, right? Like, yeah, uh, he I had mean, that one throw to Alave, which I mean, that's uh, that was against a, a a cover one blitz or cover three blitz. But realistically, that, that was a t- very very tight good coverage from Kobe Bryant. I mean, other than that, yeah, yeah, um, the penalties hurt them. I mean, they got the Saints. They backed up the Saints a couple of times, but then mm-hmm. the the Maffei penalty and then the Emosu, the rare Emosu penalty. Um, that really hurts them. Tariq had the one tightly contested, like diamond release slant or whatever they call that outside in slant, just a tough route. And even got, had a hand on the ball. It's just, all right, okay, give it to him. Um, but so yeah, they, they were, they were basic. And I think that was, I mean, two things. One, like you said, they had no reason to respect the receiving core, which they were right to this game. Um, so because they had, you know, everyone was injured. Um, so you don't need to play too high. And then, but at the same time, that was the timing of the, of them running into a busted up receiver and core was well met because they needed their, they really needed an excuse to play gapped out, which means, you know, one defensive player for every gap the offensive line presents, which usually means you have one high safety, not two deep safeties. Um, so that let them play more cover one, but then also play, more rep their new way of playing cover three now, right? Rip Liz, instead of carrying one seam, you're carrying both seams. So that was probably good work for, for Kobe Bryant and a combination of Ryan Neal and Josh Jones, depending on what personnel package they were in. But then, yeah. So then from there, they were able to kind of win back the lost multiplicity of not playing it too high by blitzing a little bit more. And that allowed them, one, it's just for the hell of it. Like, you're just disguising, right? That's kind of where they disguise a little bit, disguise intent. But then secondly, it allows them to generate negative plays. Even if you're playing your rules right, 
you know, if, if you're, if you don't have a crazy, and a crazy ability to generate turnovers just by virtue of your own talent or a crazy ability to generate, you know, sacks and stuff, right. You need something to kind of scheme an action at the offense within your base structure so that you're not just preventing positive plays, but you're also generating negative plays for the offense. And that was their way of doing that. And those mic blitzes and will blitzes, um, sending them, you know, doing a good job of getting them either opposite the slide or getting them with the slide, but combining it with a twist so that someone was getting free. Um, and you're not necessarily even trying to sack the quarterback so much as you're forcing him just to make a quicker decision so that everybody can rally to the ball and, and play downhill back to the front. So from the back toward the front. Um, so that was, I thought that was a good touch. And that was something like Ken Norton Jr. last year was really starting. It was like he discovered fire. They weren't, they weren't giving up any explosive plays last year, especially from week six on. They, weren't giving, they were giving up very little in the intermediate, but then they couldn't put, make the offense go backwards, or they couldn't tackle that check down for two, three yards instead of seven or eight. So you started sending those, um, those, those five-man pressures, whether they be fire zones or cover one behind it, um, to, to, on mixed downs, like mixed tendency, like second and medium, for example, or the occasional first and 10. And they worked to great effect. And I think mostly... Like the structure of this worked. It's definitely not something they're going to do to the same at the same rate moving forward. Right. But they needed it for this game, and mm. I, I, I like the theory behind it. So, well, the other, my other view on that as well, on top of like the added blitzing, also being a case of is Andy Dalton out there? Like, it's disappointing that they didn't get home a bit more. But it's as you said, the new way of playing cover three is basically going to be man to man. It, like to the to the less experienced tape watcher, it looks like cover one. And even to us, sometimes we're like, is that three or one? Because the way it matches the roots, you can't really tell, right? Like, yeah. And so it's going to be a one on one outside anyway, especially for like the kind of say what what the Saints were doing, where it's just basically a comeback to Alave picking on Mike Jackson, right? Like down here. And like the thing is, like. You may as well blitz then, because because you're not use they're not targeting that area of the field. Right. So let's let's just add add pressure on. And and like the one thing about if you if you send five right, that means you only have six in coverage instead of seven. You might go okay. Well, your remaining linebackers left on an island with the running back. But if you if you scheme and time the blitz up right, that blitz keeps the running back in the protection scheme. So then you're kind of. You're, you're plus two in the numbers now. Now only four guys are releasing into the pattern and you have six defenders. It's six versus four, just like it would have been seven versus five. So I think that was the other aspect why they were the, why they sent these pressures because they were really just trying to keep the running back as part of the protection and not part of the, the, the route pattern. So Right. And on that Alvin Kamara big screenplay, like what was tricky is Kamara is opposite to this drawing. He was on the left of the formation, but they send both linebackers, right? We've covered one behind it, so should be okay. The idea being that a linebacker keeps Kamara in protection, so you still have six coverage defenders back there for their four receivers on, out on the routes, right? Right. The problem they had... It, sorry, five for the four. But the problem they had was the, the Saints crossed Kamara across the formation... And then Barton, he'd already gone on his blitz. He didn't pick up. There's a one bad play Cody Barton had, and we'll get to the linebackers. But one bad play he had, he didn't pick up Kamara on the screen. He just blitzed anyway. He should have picked him up. If he picks him up, the play's dead. But he, it, you know, it's across the formation rather than just releasing straight uh, downfield on the screen. And Kamara did a good job selling like he was going to be a blocker. Right, but still, right. a bit, bit disappointing from and- the, the other aspect on that play is that Mona also saw it, but then he got what do they call it slingshot by the center center. That center had a bad game, but that was his one like baller play where he tossed all 340, 50 pounds of Brian Mona to the ground on that other. If, if Mona kept his feet, he might've been able to get a hand on him. If he doesn't even make, get a hand on him, or if he even gets a hand on him, that might slow him down enough that the, you know, area defenders can rally quicker, but, Frustrating. 
Mm. Also, that call just felt unnecessary. You don't need to actually blitz. You don't need to send six. You just don't I mean, have to. If I, it I, works, I, great. But you don't have to do that there. Sure, but also like it's still cover one. Like just play the running back. Like yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, um, I mean, don't blitz the quarterback. Then blitz the running back. Mm. Like you're. Um, I feel like that's what they were trying to do. Like, like peel blitz. I think that's what they were okay. doing. Okay. I think that okay. was it. Like then, uh, then he they just the didn't. Blitz. Yeah. Um, I almost said green dog, but then I caught myself. No way, wait, wait, that's called a peel blitz. Not a Ima imagine. Um, <laughs> now I'm not going to get owned on Twitter for calling hug rush. Potentially uh, hug rush. Right. So they also uh, Tariq Woolen's inception very impressive on a comeback, even though it's thrown late. Dalton panicked. Looks like a pressure, but Seattle only um, rushed four dudes. Bonus fire zone. Pretty cool. Where they basically send three off one side, but they dropped Daryl Taylor. And uh, Bart uh, Brooks, sorry, ended up matching up on Kamara at the back. And basically Daryl Taylor's ends up in the low hole. And it looks like cover one, but it's actually like cover three, but with fire yeah. zone coverage everywhere else. Um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. No. So, all, right, all right. This is where I pat myself on the back. Did, did you see my tweet during the game? Uh, I, I, there's I, a I few of them. Yeah, I might have <laughs> specific to the one interception. Did you see a tweet preceding it? No, no, I did not. I, I said, I said, uh, Andy's under throwing his 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 throws now. That means a one interception is coming. Oh. And then, like five minutes later. Well, they've um, added now, uh, they've added an edit feature to Twitter now, haven't they? It, that's true, but they tell you if you edit. Now, I was laughing because oh, I tweeted that out of pure cope. I didn't actually think that was happening. It just plus I, I do uh, prediction tweets like that all the time. So, like I like I quote tweeted later. Volume. Did you delete shooter. them all after? Of course. Nice, of course. nice. That's good. Anyway, I should, uh, um, I should learn a thing or two here. Right. So, in terms of the the positives, right? We've touched on a few of them kind of sprinkled in here and there but one major positive for me was the inside linebackers both of them played well Barton had that one bad play I mentioned Jordan Brooks was all over the field being an absolute unicorn and yeah. Barton was fitting the run well and actually doing pretty good in coverage as well he's obviously just not the same level of athlete as Brooks but I thought both of them put together a really solid game and if the D-line had uh, executed in in better moments, if Barton had, you know, played Kamara as he should have done, if the coaches had had a better plan for Hill and, and been a bit more prepared for the Saints' adjustment, um, I think, you know, we're talking about this as a, a really good defensive game, along with the fact they were, you know, they were put in bad positions, right? But, yeah, what did you yeah. see out of Barton and Brooks? It was, well, um, yeah, they both played really well, and part of that was because they played so much one high, that meant... They only have one gap to worry about or their lever key or whoever the puller is. That's the only thing they have to worry about in the run game. And that means that they can play faster as in not like, oh, they were slowed down before because it was confusing. But like the literal techniques they were asked to play before is you play slow and then decisive. And you can't be decisive if the blocks are losing up front. So if the if the defensive tackles, there's nothing to be decisive toward. So you're just playing slow, period. And then, sure, it can compound, and you can also be confused at times. This was a game where they were the 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 game the scheme asks them to play fast, follow their eyes, and shoot their shot. 
and they were doing that all over the place. I mean, like getting leverage on gaps, just firing off their key. Even Cody, like Cody looks a lot better, not nearly as well as Brooks, but he looks a lot better taking on contact when his feet are in the right place to take on that contact. He's not a guy that can write a losing or who can unsink a sinking ship like Brooks can. Like he can be caught in a bad position and still make a physical play. Barton has to be in the perfect spot for it. But the whole theory behind Cody Barton being a possibly good linebacker or to have a good game means his eyes have to get his feet in the right place. And when he can do that, he's fast enough to do that. If his eyes are being playing fast enough, then it looks a lot better. I mean, he was making plays in the run game. And then, yeah, to your point about having good games and coverage, both of them were great playing uh, their play action stuff, their under center play action, the boot stuff and the pocket play action. I mean, they weren't giving them anything over the intermediate. So th- that was that was really encouraging. And, um, you know, like even though they were down guys, um, they were trying – Carmichael, their offensive coordinator, they were still Pizza. trying to – yeah, that's right. They were He was still trying to go deep. And he, and he wasn't trying to go deep in that like, oh, this guy is going to beat that guy. He was trying to break Seattle's structure. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, it doesn't matter who's running the routes. You still have to play your rules. And Seattle's rules were really, really good this game at the second and third level for yep. the month. So like th- that's positive in and of itself. That projects forward. Yeah, that, that so, to me was a sign that it's starting to click together. Because even in like the rare like uh, middle field open we saw this game, like tight world six where – their, their base uh, approach to 21, the heavier personnel kind of stuff where it's quarter, quarter, half to the strength uh, out of like a bare front. Like there was some really nice kind of a turn back and run robot uh, kind of reps from uh, Brooks and Barton in that. Yeah. And then the third level, the way they were playing that as well, it just looked good. Now, I think coverage-wise, Mike Jackson, they tried to pick on him a bit. He kind of came through though, like you know, he got he gave up some stuff underneath to Alave, but at least he's staying over the top. He had a really nice pass breakup, flipping his hips after cross, you know, pedal to read, then little crossover run from off coverage, then hip flip back and get the pass breakup, like some nice stuff. Like he's up and down. Honestly, I was surprised Sidney Jones was inactive. I, was that an injury? Like because I, I really thought they'd push him more and more. But I don't know, man. He must apparently be not. not. Yeah, he must not be doing well in practice. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, because I think Jackson is the obvious spot to, you know, challenge again. But right. he, he did okay. And Brian is still learning stuff. But there were signs, like his early third down incompletion pass breakup, where he's, like, anticipating that route a bit more. He's starting to get it. And the Alave catch was, as we said, unfortunate. So I think the coverage group's coming together. I think the linebackers... Uh, coming together with them yeah the they they probably won't run as much middle field closed against uh the cardinals right like and how spread out they are hopefully we see a bit more the fire zone stuff you've talked about a bit more movements up front to help out the linebackers and help them play uh a bit less conflicted which i think is why you know they're paused and they're slowing down but building blocks you know real building blocks and Up What's... front as well, Griff, Miles Adams got to play four-eye technique rather than head up nose tackle. And lo and behold, he actually looked better there. So yeah, like yeah. he's not a nose, so don't play him there, which they had been doing in past weeks. Right. Yeah, like you said, less middle of the field closed, less one high moving forward. But what was good is that when it was a uh when it was like a rundown or even a mixed tendency situation where the, the the chance of runner pass is roughly equal or the personnel lends itself the offensive personnel lends itself toward doing both right they, they were they were matching up a lot better with the combination of front and coverage so when they were too high against run oriented or mixed tendency situations they matched too high with bear when they were in four down in those same situations they made sure to play gapped out so one high so like we only saw four down, you know, the four, two, five or the two, four, five, however you look at it, mm-hmm. matched the two high when it was a much more clearly like, all right, pass yep. situation. So it's, and then we saw, a, you know, a little bit of, the, of those fire zones, those man pressures, and they were in bear to help out with the C gap or D gap problem that, that front represents and also helps you win back some pressure, right? Um, that you lose because the odds, the, the four man rush spacing when in bear or odd fronts just isn't there. That isn't four down. So like 
and also Griff on that as well. They had this. They had the safety locked to the tight tens more rather than getting a nickel on a uh, to the run strength. They didn't there you go. repeat there that you error. Go. So they're they're correcting their. You know, perhaps you can say it's the NFL. These mistakes shouldn't be happening from a play caller, but they are correcting the stuff. Right. The problems we're identifying. I mean, give us a job, Pete. Give so, us a job. But so, also, it's nice that they're fixing it. So. Yeah, and and like. Yeah. People think that we thought Ken Norton Jr. could do no wrong. We were critical. I mean, we, we were maybe did so maybe a little bit more in good faith, perhaps a little more. I'm not saying people will criticize him in bad faith, but I'm saying we were maybe a little bit more optimistic even when things were bad. But we were critical of him early on in, in seasons or early on in his tenure. And then when he started doing things better, we simply thought, well, he's doing things better now. Okay, he's figured it out now. So uh, in fairness to Clint Hurt, like this is – this is a new thing to him. Like he's, he has to learn. And then he also had some personnel upheaval that I don't think he was planning on. Right. Um, in, in the summer. So, and maybe a more experienced coordinator can smooth that out better, but you know, like maybe it's, it's too many new things going on. If it and was just one new thing, the defense could have handled it. But, and I thought like, I thought like Ryan Neal coming, he's, he's being used more in how they were going to use Adams. And that's only a good thing. You spoke. Right. Uh, I'd li- love to hear your thoughts on the dime thing because I saw a tweet about of yours. But before that, real quick, I thought he had a really rough game. Like he was yeah. making a lot of mistakes. He busted their new cover three, where he should be matching the dude uh, when he's in the outside space. He should be matching the dude vertical and to the outside. But if he runs underneath on a mesh concept, you don't match that. Or yeah. like a shallow crosser, you don't match that because mesh is coming back the other way. Yeah. They've pushed with the back to the flat because it was it was a mesh wheel, so you don't have a linebacker in that space. You basically need to replace the linebacker uh, and and intercept the other thing. Bryant yeah. passed off his under, but unfortunately uh, Neil didn't, and they they got a big time third down conversion right. when they were yeah. the game. And uh, he busted a quarter flat a play where yeah. he just needs to run with. It. And on you can see on the all twenty two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Carl, coach Carl Scott, the DB's coach, he's like, "What are you doing? Yeah, what? come yeah. on, man!" Like, so, so it, it's funny. So, the, simul simultaneously, we have two things going on here. We like the dime package, but then also Ryan Neal, who features in the dime package, is not had it kind of had a rough game. It has to be. So, I think it's rough. yeah. He, he's he's better than this. Like, I don't know how good he'll be, but he's definitely better than this. So, I mean, on that point, though. Playing cover one man match, the worst call you can get is mesh, and sure enough, they got it. So th- that is a tough spot to be in. That's that incredibly was three. confusing. That was three. Yeah. Oh shoot. Okay. Then then okay. Yeah. You even said then he definitely needs to sit. What is he doing then? Well, that's the Rip Liz issues though, right? Yeah. Because he's saying, thinking. Yeah. Okay, that is what. You're, yeah. Sorry, I I missed your point. I get it now. Um. Okay. So yeah, the dime stuff is cool because. You can do so many things in it coverage wise. You can, well, even talking the one high world, you can, you can, you know, present different blitzes and stuff. Um, and like, you know, third down, third and long, or even second and long, you know, you can play with who's blitzing and who's covering the running back and stuff. By virtue of him still being a DB, like you can put him on certain, you can disguise which guy he'd be carrying and which guy he isn't more than you could otherwise if he was a linebacker. Um, mm. Now, that said, in order to make those disguises work, you still have to have other calls. So, like, you still have to call cover three with him in there. Um, so, like, when they were in cover three, they're playing him in the hook and Josh Jones as the overhang as on, on the outside. So, essentially, they're having him be the dimebacker or linebacker. Mm-hmm. The irony is that... And this is the same thing last year when they would replace Brooks with Neil. He's not a better hook dropper than either of Brooks or Barton. Like in pure, that, that's the funny thing. You 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 put out a you put out a, a safety, a sixth DB out there. It's like, well, they're better in coverage, but he's not mm. better in coverage than them in this area. But by virtue of him being a DB skill set, you can still do other things, and then you can use that the benefit, the element of surprise, to the play caller's advantage to you know do different things with them. So. I'm curious to see how that how that builds. Um, he is a good blitzer. I mean, if he knows what he's supposed to do, he can cover some guys well enough. He did make a couple of plays on the ball. He did get beat a couple of times, just like he did last week. I still think he'll get better. It is worth noting, though, 
that when they play dime with him, he's in the hook and they have Josh Jones carrying receivers and he looked pretty good doing it. Like in Josh Jones covered well last week too in pure one-on-one situations when he wasn't prior. So it's good that they can find a way that Josh Jones can be out there too and do things. Yeah. But what, what what are your thoughts there on that? Well, I just liked seeing Diggs get a, sh- a shot to come down a bit as well. And it's like a three safety deal at times where you can get into different types of cover three as well as playing different types of cover one. So, I mean, that's only a good thing. That's why you do it because you can get into any cover okay. you want. But, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Now, when he, when he when Diggs came down, who was high? I don't remember. Was it Jones? Jones, yeah. Okay. So uh, we've got two questions on the defense before we get to the offense. Uh, Camden asks... How did Adams look against the run? Was he getting pushed back? Nah, he was good. Like he, he's much more suited to playing on the inside eye of a tackle and mirror stepping. And yeah, he, he was much better. And then Lee Lariviere asks, who did they use as their main bear personnel on the line? Well, that is literally their listed starting lineup of uh, Nwosu, Al Woods at nose tackle, Shelby Harris and Puna Ford at the ends, and then Boye Maffe as the other linebacker because he's trusted with setting the edge. Now they've picked up Bruce Irvin, as we covered yesterday. I mean, he might be that early down dude, like uh, Bam Johnson was. So uh, Taylor's being, I mean, not trusted with edge setting, but also he's being saved for later down pass rush, although he hasn't quite uh, got it going yet. Right. Offense, Griff. And this is obviously more positive, but also I think people will want to hear why they went one for nine or one for 10, depending on how you view it on third down. Um, third downs. Yeah. Uh, third downs were, there was kind of fluky and that speaks to the, the, the high variance nature of third downs, the randomness element. Um, they had, uh, they had, um, they had a couple of calls where the ball came out and the saints just defended it really well. Like they had that one like sail cross concept um, and it just wasn't working. Like, like uh, they called it like two or three times and I was actually surprised. Um, that was the one like where Fant got tackled at the right at the catch point. And then they had another one where I can't quite remember what happened, but it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was surprised that was all Waldron had. I thought, I think he thought he was just going to out leverage some guys and get kind of like free yards out of like, especially on that shallow route. Um, uh, outside of that, like, uh, they, they had, you had the drop touchdown from DK and then you have the one where they called the touchdown back with the holding call. Um, mm. and then you had, um, I think you had a sack where, was that the one where Gino steps up in the pocket and uh, and, so, and it looks like DK's coming open on a dig, but he's really not open because the safety is sitting there on it? There was a third and three sack where I thought uh, Gino could have thrown the ball, but it was like a weird mesh. And they were like spamming the heck out of mesh, kind of like double crossing, like shallow, shallow, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And it like wasn't that clear. Uh like for me, if, if I like run through the third downs, like, you know, third and seven, third and 10, third and 10, third and 15, third and 18. I mean, good luck with that. Like, like there's, there's too many long passing downs and the Saints are sticky in coverage. Third and 15. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was coverage sacks. Like even the third and two at the end of the game, right, where Gino runs around trying to make something yeah. happen. Nothing was open. Like what the the play yeah. and why did they full slide their protection to sell the play action? But then, like that was a weird protection call, weird mm. weird play. Like, and I think it just wasn't their day. And I think the Saints kind of just had better plays. Like it. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's necessarily a Geno issue. There's one one third down, I think, which you know that's normal. Where I think he could have thrown the ball, but that was tight. Um... Um, now you know what's cool though is because they're some of their pure pass down calls are really nifty hmm. and it's it's cool to see chris richard living in a too high world and see his ideas and see him game plan some stuff i mean that was cool to see i mean just isolated good old chris we miss him revenge game revenge game 
Yeah. Now that said, Seattle won the game, won the day on early downs. They they had the most efficient early down offense this week. Um, wow. They didn't win the game though. They did not win the game. <laughs> you um, can win battles, but you still got to win the. So war. my favorite thing right now with the offense is how I, I guess it makes sense with like Pete saying that they're not restricted by Geno Smith, and that they are kind of you know, letting him loose and, you know, kind of doubling down, tripling down on all of these comments about, you know, basically what boils down to letting, you know, cook. But my favorite thing is how, you know, gun shotgun usage is slowly expanding. And it feels like off that as well, you know, you get light boxes, so you have to check into the shotgun runs. But also their tendency breaking by their kind of yeah. adding in, sprinkling in play action where you don't need play action. So like last week they ran stick, but with a play action, like from the gun this week you had, um, like, hold on little, like overroute to Will Disley with guard tackle wrap, uh, play action. Like, like what are we doing here? Um, you had Which... the Metcalf fumble play where it's just a little slant, but you've got play action. Like <laughs> it's cool. And, that tendency breaking theme is kind of a big deal in the whole offense right now. Yeah. Yeah. So like they, um, they like took some of their, like when they were an under center, they were doing pure drop back and under center um, a little bit. They're just to take advantage of the fact that they've been putting on tape that when they're in the under center, they're nothing but an uh, outside zone and a play action team, you know, whether it be pocket or boot. So they, the Saints trot out personnel that is meant for those two worlds. And then sure enough, it's like, okay, well, we've got free yards right here. It's a 250-pounder who is a flat defender. So we'll just we'll run quick game here. Or, okay, we're in full house under center. They haven't seen us in full house under center yet, but they know that we only do certain things in full house. And they know that we only do certain things under center. So that means we have a one-on-one -on -one with Lockett. If he wins, it's nothing but free yards. And sure enough, he hit Lockett on a little stop route or curl route for 10 yards first down. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, like, they mixed that in. And then, like you said, when they went into shotgun, they had a couple more of those gun runs where they're not, like, they don't have a base gun run still. It's just, like, taking advantage of really soft fronts, like you said, checking into it. Um, and then they're just running play action, like meshing off, off, off of that, right. Off of like the same, like trap protection or a puller or whatever. And then sometimes it wasn't even a puller. Um, so yeah. And it's just another way to be like, they haven't seen this yet. So, but like, they're the same plays. This is the thing they're running. They're not really expanding their concept breadth yet. They're, they're kind of staying in the same home of what they're calling, mm. but they're just calling in a different formations and it's like they can just milk this playing cat and mouse with when they with when they run what until they start to clamp down on it and then i think we'll start to see more drop back concepts come in and more um play action concepts come in so makes sense um in the meantime just ride the wave because it's it's working fun times and like it was cool seeing how in that diamond on the center look you know, it's what we were saying. It gives you really obvious one-on-one -on -one shots outside. And with the Saints playing a lot of middle field close looks against that, okay, they didn't connect with Metcalf on the deep ball because Latimore played it really well. But they went for that. And they hit Lockett on a little 10-yard curl, basically, against that. Because it's so there's so much space out there, no one's able to help underneath. And you can match protect and you, you just get the shot. Is what we were saying earlier. You also get a balanced look. And so then when they shift from that into like 12 personnel trips, then you're, you're getting a predictable check from the defense. Like the Saints either went into like under or over and like really vanilla stuff. They, not, they can't do much fancy. They, they didn't really have a pressure check like automatically. And there's only so much you can prepare for in a week. So 
cool very cool and nothing like overly like crazy or fancy it's not like gimmicky it's like actually real so very exciting stuff now the rest of the offense griff gino was like unbelievable some of the throws he made the the fan the boot rolling to his left lofted um my favorite one griff was the second strike to Tyler Lockett where they get up a corner post. Oh, no, I don't think that was a corner post. I think the first one was a corner post. But that was nice to change that against two-man, recognizing the Mm. coverage pre-snap. Second time round, he just slots it into two-man again. But it's like it's like almost triple coverage. But it's a good – it's the right throw. It's one of those where with football leverage, it's right there. But if you get it wrong, then it's intercepted because there's still defenders who are all trying to get deep. Like, right. I mean, and, and the Saints defenders, they have good recovery too. So they do. Um, but that was, um, what was your favorite Geno throw though? My, my favorite Geno. Okay. My favorite Geno play. I, I won't. Ooh. I won't. My favorite one was the drop. Don't say a check into the run. The, my favorite one was the drop touchdown to DK. Got to catch that. It was essentially wow. a Mills. It was essentially like a Mills concept and it worked exactly how you wanted. And Geno just a strike. Okay. Um, the, 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 the fan one on the boot was, was hilarious because they, they had the, um, they had the boot contain rusher running at him and he was like, Oh shit, if I'm going to get this throw off, I have to haul to clear him horizontally. And on the all 22, especially you see like the end zone angle, you see how fast, like you see Gino realize like, okay, I have to sprint as hard as I can. And then he does. And then he clears him and then he f- slows down, gathers himself and still like flips his hips around and throws a perfect ball. Like the whole thing was like Gino just taking over. Um, so uh, that was pretty cool. Um, actually, that wasn't a cross that, on that one, was it? Was Fant actually on the same side? Yeah, I think I think Running that was like just a... the, but it was cool that one for like what we were saying about the, the undercenter diamond thing because they shifted into that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, um, as my light goes out, great. Um, and then they, I think it was just the usual fans running the high corner. You got and a he, receiver coming across the field on the flood. Okay, yeah. Um, so but what was what was really cool is like the Saints went under, right? So they've got a linebacker down the line of scrimmage. Like, I'm going to set the edge against this wide run to my side, yeah. and then it's like, oh crap, I have to run deep with this corner, yeah. which is way behind me. Yeah. Um, and cool. but it was still tight coverage because. I mean, there's he, trips, so there's dudes over there. Yeah, I mean, Fant did dust that linebacker though. Um, the Oof, initial, yeah, he, the so. speed showed up for like one of the first times this season. Yeah. This is the uh, this is like the play to Metcalf where they ran uh, Eskridge on an underneath route. Uh, Lockett runs uh, kind of like a like the Mills element, like a dig, and then there's a post from Metcalf where the safety because they're in two man kind of look. Or like quarters, but the safety nails down to lock it and plays tight, and the other safety was playing really tight as well. And so DK, he's got an outside leverage defender up here, and DK bends it in, and it's just bulleted to the back of the end zone, in uh, to the outside of the safety nail and unlock it. And the corner's been uh, run off by Eskridge underneath. And that was a that was a classic Geno preseason moment where he does something absolutely sick, and the receiver can't hang on to it classic um which hey he's playing as well as he did in the preseason like we're just seeing his preseason process extrapolated out to the regular season and like eight and that's it um okay so but my the the other play though of those two deep post plays i i liked the the first one against two man in the in the two minute drill because it looked it was um it was designed to look like mirrored smash. So smash to both sides where, you know, you have a flat route, then a deep corner route, like a high low on the corner. And it, given that it's a cover two coverage, um, you can, you know, potentially get underneath that safety or turn him around. Um, but so the, 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 the safety to the boundary Lockett side, he sees the flat route and he sees Lockett's vertical stem pressing vertical really hard. So he's thinking, okay, I've got a corner out. So he overplays it. He has so much respect for Lockett that even to the short side of the field, he's overplaying this. He's like, I am not letting them make a play here. And sure enough, he guesses wrong, and it's a corner post, double move, or dino post. So that's what you prefer to call it. 
and Lockett just dusts him. Gino, calm under pressure in the pocket, steps up, you know, just delivers a perfect ball. Like, what else can you say? Um, on that second one, though, so they had been running, they had been running outside the pocket, rollout, crossing flood routes, right? Mm. And that play, they ran that like three times in this game. So that play was this, all the initial stems were looking just like that. You have lo- you have Gino taking a big drop in the pocket, but then he caps his drop, right? And it's not quite a half boot, but it's just like a really deep looping pocket play action drop. And then you have you have DK running what looks like a crossing route, but it turns into a pylon route where he pretends he crosses, but then you know flips flips his angle and starts running back toward the near side like will pylon and then you have Lockett running like he's going to run that clear out route that fant ran earlier right but then he turns him around and well i don't know if he turns him around but he stems like he's going to but mm. that stem is enough to get that corner and safety to overplay what they think is going to be a corner out and he just goes right up the pipe now then they quickly are keen to like okay this is what's happening like they're they're trying to be smart defenders like we've seen this before so we're going to we're going to beat them to the punch. And that's what Waldrum is preying on. And then Gino just throws, like, even though schematically it worked, it still required a perfect throw. And Gino ripped that. So, I mean, perfect. Like, we've seen that throw before. Yeah. Being Seahawks fans, being watching, following the Seahawks. And it was cool that Gino shows that he's got that too. That was sick. That was yeah. just awesome. So, so. Obviously, the the penny injury is a big loss in the run game, but uh, in spite of that, you know Kenneth Walker he had a, a really impressive touchdown run. Although, as Pete Carroll said, that was perfectly blocked, like mid zone, like perfect. But overall, I think the run blocking is still kind of a up and down experience. Where, I mean, heck, it kind of is league wide, right? Like it's difficult, but it still feels like they've got stuff to kind of establish like, well, that's all oh dear. That's a loaded word. Um, stuff to, uh, work through like chemistry to build on gelling to take place. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Something well, they boring. just, something they just need more reps in. Right. Right. I, I don't know if it's much more than that, really. Like, uh, we've, we had a question on, from Scott, uh, on, uh, Gabe Jackson versus Phil Haynes. I feel like Haynes had one bad play where he gave up some pressure, but kind of a negligible difference. Yeah, because I thought Gabe is actually kind of playing back to whatever his best self of 2021 was the past two games. I mean, he had horrible games, and then he played well versus um, the Lions. And then he played well in his snaps this game. And and Pete said in the postgame presser, that it was just a like competition thing, but then it came out that Gabe had a hip problem this game. So well, he's I don't know. resting is what he's he described as. Okay. So I, I don't I don't know. Um PFF graded Damian Lewis really bad this game. And he had so I get so confused. I don't understand. Because, I don't understand. Because he he but, had he only had two plays that where you could say, okay, he lost, but one of them didn't affect the outcome of the play, and the other one he tripped. Which is, okay, sure, don't trip, right? That's a bad play. But it doesn't really reflect how well... And then everything else was really good. Like, the the opposite of the negative plays were particularly positive. So... Are you familiar with uh, Jose Mourinho? I don't believe so. Yeah, there you go. He, are you familiar with Stormzy? <laughs> that sounds like some Twitch streamer name, Stormzy. Right, okay. Who's Stormzy? Okay, never mind. Or, or is that some British pop star? That sounds like very 90s, like disco pop, British pop, pop star. star. Pop star. Have you listened to Stormzy's latest? Well, okay, great. It's a really okay. good enough, one. enough, enough. Right. The tackles. Hey, Natasha Bedingfield is like, well, no, is she British? Oh, God, she's not even English. Why do I think she's British? <laughs> the tackles were pretty good. Like, No, she is British. Okay. No, I love okay. I'm not I'm not dogging British pop music. I love Natasha Betty. It's not pop, okay? Just just stop. Who, who's Stormzy? <laughs> the tackles, Griffin. I want to talk about football. <laughs> Believe it or not. The tackles were really impressive. And apparently Shane Waldron was thrilled. Oh, he's them. a British rapper. Well, I wasn't too far off. Right. British okay. musician. Now, now, next week, find out who Jose Mourinho is, and then we can like piece it all together. 
Okay. And like Charles Cross, um, you know, he was meant he he had some like you know you'd like him not to get pushbacks quite so much, but also, I mean, he's up against a powerful dude, and he was doing all right in what I saw. And then Lucas, other than the one play where that is kind of a coverage sack because it's quick game, it should come out a bit quicker. But also, you know, you don't want to get beat like that one-on-one. But then it is also Cameron Jordan. But other than that, Cameron, Cam. But other than that, I thought Lucas was pretty much flawless. So, And they did do stuff to help them. Not the least, like, you know, these. you made the point to me in the DMs, like this kind of tendency breaking, it stops edge rushes teeing off against certain looks. But they also did some match protect, some chipping, some stuff like that. And they're trying not to drop back, pure drop back too often. But... Still, that yeah. doesn't negate what is a really impressive tackle uh, duo right now. And they've faced, yeah. like, I've had a baptism of fire in some ways with some of the dudes they've been facing. And the NFL is loaded with that. But, I mean, looking at the schedule, like, I mean, I don't know what the Bucks have, really. The the Cardinals isn't as difficult. I mean, this is all famous last words. But I think some of these first five teams, you've had some real tough stuff. Yeah. And th- this was a... This was a particularly good game for them, not just because they played well and they didn't play great. They were like, they were good, right? Um, It was good that they had a good game against this group because for Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, if they had a weakness on their tape coming out, it was like pure power. Now, Cross was different in that his issue with pure power, speed to power guys in college was that he would get knocked back early in games by power rushers, but once he could read their rush plan, he was ready for it. And when he was ready for it, he anchored right away Mm. with Abraham Lucas. He could be ready for it. He would still get bull rushed a little bit. So it's awesome that they had a good game against two absolute complete edge rushers, but guys that can absolutely power drive you Um, in Davenport and Cameron Jordan and, and Charles cross was staking Davenport. I mean, not letting him get anywhere on him. Uh, Jordan was able to get some knockback, even if he didn't get a pressure, he was able to kind of move Lucas a little bit, but then Lucas would anchor late. And then later in the game, he wasn't getting moved at all. So like, it's really good sign because that's their weakness and they're improving on their weakness. So it's just good stuff that projects forward there. Yep. 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 So projecting forward, Griff, the Seahawks play the Cardinals at home. They're back home. They're not playing at 10 a.m. Even if the man is, and, you know, hopefully they actually win it. They don't get swept. But even if the man is play, it sounds like the game will be pushed back, not pushed forward. So we're done with the 10 a.m. stuff, which is nice. Uh, the Cardinals are... Surely that's the Seahawks which are favoured. The Cardinals are soulless at the moment. Apparently the Cardinals are favoured by uh, 2.5, which I guess that's the Seahawks okay. defence doing that. Although the NFL.com, which is by no means the... I mean, good site, but by no means... a the uh, complete barometer, right? But it's an interesting indicator. They've started picking a bit more of the Seahawks. Like it was that no one would pick the Seahawks or one person would, but they were actually favoring the Seahawks over their panel of experts. They were favoring the Seahawks over the Cardinals. So that's interesting. And yeah, good test for the defense. I think in theory, on paper, the scheme they're running and like, some of the concepts they want to major in should work here, but also right. hopefully, like my concern going in is that they they don't game plan well enough for the different formations. And the Cardinals are really kind of formation tell, like they have tendencies, like if it's two back, you're getting guard, tackle, rap. Like right. <laughs> they have plays for, for certain formations and that's that. So hopefully right. Seattle just a lot like of if there's, I need the defense to be better. Like I I, I think Gino should be fine against this uh, Cardinals defense. But um, oh, particularly fine because <laughs> they, Van, Van, Vance what? Joseph. There's like, some of the rotations. Th- th- this is I mean Gino is the type of quarterback that Vance Joseph falls apart against. Whereas <laughs> be, because it's it's he's, he's saying we're gonna do something really dumb but we're going to bet on you not finding out where the dumb parts of our defense is. And Gino's whole thing is I'm going to find out exactly what you're doing. I'm smarter than you. Like even if Gino didn't have a good arm, which we're finding out that his arm is better and better each week, his thing would still be, I'll find the weak spot in the defense, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but um, 
Yeah, the, the flip side of it, the only thing is like they have an excuse to run more one high, you know, cover one, cover three this week because the, rec- the receivers are so poor. Kyler Murray still is Kyler Murray, though, and mm. he will still throw fade and go balls to schmuck receivers. So they still have to be ready for that. But Mike Jackson, he had weaknesses this game, but he didn't have weaknesses staying on top. So no. I was saying to Ty, actually, it's going to be interesting seeing Woolen up against uh, a Hollywood Brown. Kind Woolen of had a really – Woolen probably had his first complete game as a cornerback, Ooh, at least coverage-wise. High So praise. hopefully we see it again. Um, uh, yeah, so um, – Score prediction. Score prediction. Um, you know what? Seattle finally has a convincing win. It's finally 27-17. <laughs> to 17. Seahawks and 31-7 Seahawks. 31-7. All right. Let's go. Blowout. The Cardinals get the 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 Mariners get swept, but the Seahawks make everyone feel better. (laughs) And the Mariners in five. Mariners Uh, in five. There we go. The Mariners will win their first home game. I don't know what happens after that. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for watching the podcast and listening. And we appreciate you. Please like this video. If you tuned in live, we love you. If you're listening, we love you too. But if you're tuning in live, we love you. Please like the video on the YouTube channel. Please comment uh, after it's gone live. Um, If you're listening, subscribe, download, five-star review. We really appreciate you. Also, if you could retweet the tweet from the at Seattle Overload account, that really does help us. Just boost the numbers, get some new listeners in. Tell your family, your friends, if you have them, if you're lucky enough to have friends. um, (laughs) Tell them as well about the podcast as well. This has been at C Mike Spin Move, Griffin, and me at Matty F. Brown. We appreciate you, and uh, Ty also loves you. And and uh, Ty's guess was 34-30 Seahawks, so he's much more measured. Um, and also, shout out Natasha Benningfield. And Stormzy and Jose Mourinho.